21 days of prayer and fasting. Hopefully you guys have not forgot about that. That is an important thing. We, we made it a week. We have two left. Um, I encourage you if, if, again, if you've messed up a little bit this week, you know, I started out thinking I was going to do 21 days of one thing and guess what? I changed it. Um, I'm being honest, but I'm still going. Um, I've chose something else that I'm going to be fasting for this next week. So I just encourage you to be a part of it. If you haven't already, you've got two weeks left to join us. At least get a day in where you fast and you seek the Lord. Um, that's the important thing, too, as we're fasting something that we replace that time with drawing closer to God. And I'm telling you what, he's already working. He's already doing things. I'm already seeing fruits of this fast in our church and, and hearing about great things and seeing great things and just knowing that God's doing great things amongst his people. Um, there was healing from migraines this week. Donations going out to a family to help with a house fire. Someone who the doctors thought had cancer got a good report that it was clean. So, some of the guys on the staff were able to go in and help a family in the community this week. Healing and God just touching people's lives and, and couples reading the word. I'm getting reports of couples reading the word together in the evenings that they really haven't done that before in their life and God's just stirring it up inside of them. Let's study the word together. That's encouraging to me. And I know God's seeing our obedience in this. He's seeing um, our sacrifice in this. And as we're drawing closer to him, he's just pouring himself out. Just the way it's going. And I'm so appreciative of that. And I'm believing for more healings, more miracles, more touches of God's spirit, um, salvations, all of that. I'm believing for God to just continue to work. And we're going to see those things. Amen. I want to thank uh, another exciting thing is we got six new volunteers that signed up for OC Kids in the last week. Um, we still need some Adventureland teachers. That's three and four year olds. It's not my thing. Uh, and God knows that. It's not a gift he gave me. But if you think for one, maybe once a month, every couple months, you can help teach the three and four year olds for a little bit. That'd be great. We need some people back there for that. Uh, also, a new kind of position that we're doing, and, and let me just tell you, if we, if we get so many people signing up for things that we don't have something for you to do, we will find something for you to do. We don't want you to miss out on being able to serve and volunteer. Um, uh, one of those things is we're going to have some greeters on Wednesday nights now. We feel like that's important for our Wednesday night crowd that's coming up for us to engage in them as they come in the building too. So if you're interested in possibly being a Wednesday night greeter, um, you do have to be here. So... <laughs> If you want to be a Wednesday night greeter, there's a sign-up sheet at the welcome desk for that, to be a part of that. And also, I want you guys to know how important it is for us as a church. Now, I've had my first meetings with leadership, and again, I talked about bumps in the road. I, don't, I didn't really know what I was doing, but they're teaching me and helping me learn and, and getting in those. But one of the important things that came out of the finance meeting together was we want you guys to know how committed we are as a church to tithing as a church. Um, we want to be obedient in that and see that go out of here, at least at that 10% level to our missions that we're reaching out and, 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 and doing things in our community. So I want you guys to know how important that is to us to be obedient to that. Um, if we're going to expect it from our, our church members and our people that are attending to be obedient to the word and tithing, then we need to be doing that as a church also. So we were looking over things and we are, I believe, a little bit over that 10%. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, but, but we are Sending out and tithing as a church, and I'm so happy and thankful for that. So give yourselves a hand on that. 
It's important to tithe, be obedient in that. Um, not because God needs your money, because God needs you to be obedient to his word. And, uh, you know, I'm telling you, Sarah and I have tithed our whole marriage and we've never went without. God's always supplied when things have come up. And I believe that's through obedience to his word and our tithing and our giving. So just want to encourage you guys in that. This week, we're going to look at... Uh, our little series is Reset, Restore, Renew, just starting the year off fresh, getting back to the basics of what it means in our mission statement to reach, teach, and serve. Last week, we looked at reach, and we said reach equals, I was hoping for like 200 of those. Reach equals love. We talked about how we need to make sure we are loving um, and when people come in here, they feel that love, they feel God's love, and they sense that when they're in this place, they sense that in us outside of this place. So reach equals love, we talked about last week. And after we reach them, you know, after they come in here and they say, wow, man, God's love is in this place. I felt it from when I walked in the door till I left, it was God's love. After they experience that, when we reach them, we need to teach them. Um, We've got to reach out and teach people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the definition of teach, let's look at that first. This means show or explain how to do something, all right? So as us, as a, as a church and as individuals, we must be prepared to teach a new Christian what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now, I think we've missed this a little bit, not just Orchardville Church, but churches across America have missed this part of relationship with people. That is our responsibility to teach people. Just think about it for a second. If I'm a brand new believer, I've, I've never been in church, maybe not even heard about the gospel of Jesus, um, but I come in here, I give my life to the Lord, and then I get up. And a lot of times as churches, we're, we're really excited about that, and then we forget what happens after that for that person. Because I can guarantee you, as soon as, you know, I remember, um, struggling with things, but as soon as they walk out of here, they go right back to a life that they don't want to choose anymore. And they're surrounded by things that are going to try to drag them down right away. And they have no idea how to live out this faith walk. And sometimes we leave them like that. Shame on us. So we have to teach people. We have to disciple people and let them know this is what it means to be a follower of Christ and help those people along. Um, as they do that. So, teach. Oh, let's turn to Matthew 4, verse 19. Matthew 4, verse 19, and then we're going to jump over to Matthew 28. Disciple, uh, back in Jesus' day, you were a follower of Jesus during his life. And again, we want to be disciples of Jesus. I'm going to get into this a little bit more here in a minute. But Matthew 4, verse 19, says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so as we're talking about the word teach this morning, the Bible also tells us what our mission is as Christians. And that's Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. You guys are familiar with this. It 
It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach, everybody say teach. Teach. All right, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, so as we teach, we're showing them that this is how you follow Jesus. And we have to be doing this as a church. If we're going to succeed as a church in the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to teach. We have to show people what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So when they get in this fight and they're fighting the good fight of faith, they understand where they're fighting from. And they understand what they're standing on, these promises that God has for us in the word. But let's switch gears just for a second. Did you know... Um, there's a difference between being a believer in Jesus and a disciple of Jesus. There's a difference. And I, I think some of us met, miss out on this. We don't understand this. If you're a believer, you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've called on the name of the Lord and you're saved. That is good. We all want to make it into heaven, right? We want our friends and family and loved ones. We want everybody to make it. Um, but when we're a believer, we, we call on the name of the Lord, we're saved. That makes you a believer. You're headed to heaven, but that's different than being a disciple of Jesus. When you're a disciple, you not only believe in Jesus, but you also follow him and his teachings as well. And I think that's where sometimes we miss it. I believe in Jesus. I, I asked him in my heart and I'm saved. But are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you following him? Are you applying what's in this book to your life? And I think that's what we miss out on sometimes. And if we're not doing that, you know, we're, claim, we're walking around claiming to be disciples, but if we're not reading this, if we're not applying it and leaving, living as Jesus did and following his example, then we're not truly disciples. We're believers. He wants us to follow what it says in here. And, and here's what we do instead as Christians. And I think I've used this before, this illustration from Francis Chan, but I'll use my daughter for an example. Here's what we do. And I'm just being real and being honest, myself included. Here's what we do. Uh, Brylan, I'll say, go, Brylan, go clean your room. And 30 minutes later, she'll come back out. I can tell other stories, but I'm going to go with this one. <laughs> she'll come back out and she said, Dad, I memorized what you said. I memorized that you told me to go clean my room. In fact, Dad, I can even say that in Greek now and in the Hebrew. And in Russian, I can, I, can, I can say, go clean your room and all those things. I've memorized it, Dad. And she said, you know, it, it could also look like, in fact, Dad, I'm going to invite my friends over, and we're all going to envision what that would look like, too. We're going to study that, to, you know, and memorize that together, what it looks like to clean my room. And I just wanted you to know that, Dad. That would be insane if she came and told me that. But don't we do that as Christians? We memorize this, but do we apply it? Do we walk it out? Or are we just content with, I know the word, but no, I really probably don't walk it out like I should. I can tell you in the Greek. I can tell you what it means in the Greek or the Hebrew. We've got to apply this to ourselves. If I read it and not only believe it, but follow it and I follow him, and Jesus says, go and make disciples. I need to go and make disciples and teach them. We need to teach. And, I, and one of my goals is for us to start doing that and doing a better job of it. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it needs to happen at a higher level in our building. 
and outside of our building. As us individuals pouring into people and help disciple them, help them, help train them up in the ways of the Lord and not only know this, but apply this as well. So that's one, one of my goals for us as a church uh, is to do that. I need to apply it. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible I know. If I'm not applying it in my life, then I'm not being a disciple of Jesus. I'm just not. Talking about being a believer or a disciple, um, I think also that this is missing, like I said earlier, a lot in the Western churches and our culture, that we get, we get educated so much on what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to study the word, to worship music. Everywhere you look, we have access to be educated about Jesus and his word. It's all over. I mean, you can be educated about anything you want to be in this word. It's available to us. That's not, all, that's not the case everywhere else. Um, so many different options, retreats and, and conferences and everything else. And yet, we're more educated about this book than we are obedient to it. And that's tough to take. I know this book well, but it doesn't mean I'm obedient to it. Everybody's like, Rick, why don't you just shut up now? Okay, you can be done. It's true. My life, your life, we can, we can know this from front to back, but we need to be obedient also, and we need to follow it. We need to follow it as disciples of Christ. And the result of this, you know, in our Western culture churches is a bunch of powerless Christians who attend powerless churches and have a powerless presence in the world today. That's tough to say, but that's reality. And I think, you know, I think there's a group that's starting to rise up and say, what are we doing as the church of America right now? This is our opportunity to spread light over all this darkness that's going on. And we need to do that as a church collectively, that we need to rise up. We are disciples of Christ and we're going to show you the hope that we have in Jesus. We're going to show you what that means. We're going to show you that there's hope for you. There's hope over everything else that's going on right now. Quiet. Um, let me stay on the step in your toes thing, in my toes. Coming to church doesn't make you a disciple. I appreciate you being here. Doesn't mean you're a disciple. Saying some prayers doesn't make you a disciple. Quoting scripture doesn't make you a disciple. Listening to Christian music doesn't make you a disciple. Being nice doesn't make you a disciple. There's a lot of nice people in here. A lot of them. Almost all of them. Just kidding. But when you follow Jesus, when you follow and apply what his book says, when you love people, when you're willing to lay down your life for the gospel, that this is everything to me, I'm going to apply all of it and live it out and apply it, then I can say I'm a disciple of Jesus. And we should all be maturing as disciples of Jesus after the day we receive him as our savior. And as we do this, we begin teaching other people what we've learned. And this is the process. Um, as, as you pour into, you know, another kind of thing as going along with discipleship, as you pour into one, I only recommend, this sounds bad, but if you're going to invest in somebody, probably just one or two people at a time. And there's a reason behind that. If you are going to invest in them like you need to invest in them, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some commitment. And if you get more than one or two going at one time, it's going to suffer with the other ones. 
Uh, and that may sound bad to you, but I, I've just, from past experience, that's important. Now, what's also important is you're, as you're pouring into somebody, as you're discipling them, as Jesus did, and you're training them up in the ways of the Lord, you want that person to turn around and do the same thing. And we all continue growing. We don't stop. So if I'm investing in Aaron Landreth, and Aaron Landreth, he gets six months, a year down the road, and he is just solid. He's walking it out. He's applying his life. He's a disciple of Christ. He turns around and does that for one or two people. What if we were all doing that? What would that look like for our church? What would that look like for our world? That we are not, not just believers, but we are disciples. And there's such a big difference in that. And it makes such a big difference in our world. Baby Christians need fed with milk as they grow, right? 1 Corinthians 3, 2. I'll wait for you if you want to turn there. I'm going to start putting these on the screen, I think. 1 Corinthians 3, 2. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready for it. And then Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, I may not read through all of it, but it says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic thing, things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Listen, you're still drinking milk instead of the meat of the word. And here's another thing. I'm a mean preacher, I guess. <laughs> if this is the only place you're getting fed through the week, you're in trouble. If, if the only time you're feeding on the word is when I get up here for that 25, 30 minutes, give or take, uh, you're in trouble. You have to be feeding yourself outside of this building. You have to. You have to. If you've been in this a while, this shouldn't be the only place that you get fed. I mean, we should all be diving into his word and eating solid food by now. It's not the case. Um, another illustration I saw, if I had a baby bottle, some of you are still drinking from the baby bottle. Rick, you really don't want this job. But it's true. There's people been in our churches across America for years and years and never have started getting onto the solid food of the gospel. Just drinking the milk still. Teach, teach, teach. We must teach people what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus. You know, in school, what qualifies someone to be a teacher? Uh, if you didn't know, I, you probably don't know, by the way I talk sometimes, but I am a school teacher. <laughs> we had a lot of fun in my classes. I did that for almost four years. And what qualifies someone to be a teacher? You've got to have a high school diploma, obviously. And then you have to have what after that? College. College. You've got to get your degree. And then what? Sometimes you specialize in a certain area. Um, mine's, you know, ELA, language arts. <laughs> um, 
I just had to pass the classes, that's all. Uh, what else? Certified. Certified. You student teach, you get to practice what you've learned. Okay? What else? You get a lot of debt. Unless you're really smart and got the scholarships and stuff. I didn't. I'm still paying on mine. So if God leads you to pay mine off, <laughs> have at it. Oh, just get with Sarah. She knows what's left. All right. But you, you get to do all these things, and that qualifies someone to be a teacher. What qualifies you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? You accept him as your savior. You repent of your sins. You turn from your wicked ways. You lay down your life for the cause of Christ. You pick up the cross and follow him, and you study his word to show yourself approved, and you apply that in your life. I can be a disciple and teach others to do that when I do these things in my life. What makes someone a great teacher in school? Now, I asked, you guys are going to have to get a little bit better with this on social media. I had to kind of double pry out of you guys to get some answers. But I wanted to know on our Facebook page, what makes someone a great teacher in school? And I got some answers, and I shared it on mine as well. So I wanted to share a few of these with you uh, that people sent in. I won't say their names, but I'm going to go somewhere with this. So what makes someone a great teacher in school? Teacher needs to make the lessons interesting, so you want to learn more. That makes sense. Taking the time to really care and making school fun. We, oh, and they added, we have some great teachers that attend OC. Yeah. yeah. We do. I'm not one of them. <laughs> Another one said, take time to care and don't play favorites. Popular or not, everyone should be treated equally. Show compassion and understanding to those who don't learn as quickly. It's a good one. How about one that made lessons as interesting as they could and the material related to real life? All right, again, this is what makes someone a great teacher. Patience, knowledge, dedication, engage with the students, and mostly a Christian. How about this one? A good teacher teaches facts and not personal opinions. Their goals are not to be right, but to produce better people. Being able to explain something like a math problem, not just write the answer on the board. That's probably pretty important. If the teacher actually cares about the students learning the material and tries to vary instructions so everyone learns, not just getting through the curriculum. I could probably spend a whole lot of time right here, but I'm not. Or another one, one that takes time to care and not just teach. Another answer, a passion for teaching and the joy it brings them when students understand the material. Those are called light bulb, bulb moments for students. Like, they get it and it clicks. And those are great to experience as a teacher. Right, teachers? Maybe not. A good teacher will point, your, point out your strengths instead of pointing out your weaknesses. Uh, being impartial. And I reached out to a few teachers here at OC, want my students to know I truly care about them. That comes first, in my opinion. Um, this one, I love kids. I want them to feel loved, accepted, and worthy when they walk through my door. I love building relationships with them and how our class becomes a little family. I love helping them and watching them grow in multiple ways through the year. I love learning, and so I love teaching. I love to make learning more exciting. Um, I try to show my students that I love and care about them. Some days are easier than others, LOL. 
Nothing warms my heart like a previous student who stops in my classroom to say hi or one I see in Walmart that talks about their time in third grade and miss it. Teaching those wonderful standards are definitely important and I try to present them in a variety of ways so no matter how they learn, hopefully there will be a connection for them. Above that, I try to speak with encouraging words, listen to them with interest, and love them as if they were my own. Um, I love the kids first, then I teach them a thing or two. I want them to know someone loves them and cares about them. Even, if, even the kids that, that are already blessed to have loving families, I feel like a person can never have enough people loving them through life. Amen? Um, so that's some things that people gave me. There might have been a few more that I missed, but I tried to print them all off. Someone is a great teacher based on some of those things that we read. Now, how I want to tie that together, are those not, are those not identical to who Jesus was as a person? He was the greatest teacher ever. He taught in parables which made the lessons interesting and relevant. He took the time to really care about people. He didn't play favorites. Everyone treated equally. He showed compassion and understanding. The material he taught relates to real life. He showed patience, knowledge, dedication, and he engaged with people. He taught facts and not just opinions. He produced better people. He was great at explaining things. He didn't want to just get through something. He wanted them to learn. He was passionate about what he was doing. He pointed out people's strengths and didn't focus on their weaknesses. Man. Now, as I was putting this together, I, I mean, Jesus was the greatest teacher makers of disciples of all time. And he's our example in discipling others. And what a correlation to what makes a great teacher here to who Jesus was as a person then. And he's still that today as we're making disciples. And he's our example in this disciple making. We have to take the time to teach people about who Jesus was and what it means to be a follower of him. But we can't teach it unless we know it ourselves. We can't teach it unless we know it ourselves. And if we do, if we do know it for ourselves and we aren't making disciples, we are failing as, a mission, as our mission. That's what he's called us to do, we're failing. If we know how to make disciples and we're not doing it, we are failing with our mission that God's called us to do. As disciples of Jesus, we have, to, we have to do a couple of important things, and if the praise team would go ahead and come up. As we do these two things, there's a lot of things that are important, but I just wanted to hit on a couple. Again, as disciples of Jesus, we have to do these two things that are very important so that we can teach others how to do them as well. And the first one's found in John 8, 31. John 8, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you abide in my word. So we have to abide in his word and we have to feed on that word. That's important for your spiritual walk. It's important for you as a disciple of Jesus to abide in his word. And, and you don't have to look around very long right now to figure out people aren't abiding in the word. It doesn't take long on the news. It doesn't take long on social media to figure out that's not what people are abiding in right now. And when we abide in the word as, as disciples of Jesus, when we get squeezed, when we get pressured, when we get put in situations where uh, we have to react to things, when we're abiding in this, this comes out. 
when we're not abiding in the word, you can tell. Because when we get squeezed, when we get pressured, when we get angry, this doesn't always come out. Whatever we abide in is what we live in. So I encourage you guys to abide in the word. Abide in the word. Let that come out so we can teach others how to abide as well. Another thing we need to do as disciples of Jesus, we have to follow the Holy Spirit. We have to follow the Holy Spirit in our daily walk. What does that look like? What's that look like? You know, Jesus isn't here anymore to follow. You know, the disciples had him. We have something, someone greater now in the Holy Spirit to do greater things than he had done. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. He will be with us forever. And again, through his Holy Spirit, we're told that we can accomplish even greater things than what he did on this earth. That excites me. Do we believe that? The Holy Spirit wants to be to us what Jesus was to the disciples. And we can have that same relationship with the Holy Spirit that Jesus had with his disciples. As we go about life, as we go about each day. You know, have you guys ever, some clothes in here, have you guys ever uh, got in your car and you're going somewhere that you've never been before, but the person in front of you knows how to get there? So as they're driving and going, you do your best to what? I got to stay and follow that person. I got to make sure nobody gets in front of me as I follow them because I don't want to get lost. And you're cutting people off and if somebody gets in, you're like, oh, oh, get out of the way. I got to get, I don't want to get lost. I want to know where I'm going. That's the same thing the Holy Spirit does for us. And we have to let him lead our lives every single day. Because when we don't, when things try to distract us and get in our way, we should be like, no, 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 I don't want this. I'm following the Holy Spirit and what he has for me because I don't want to be lost. I don't want to make a wrong turn. So whatever it is in my life that's getting in the way, I need to follow the Holy Spirit instead. Get behind me. We've got to do that. We've got to follow the Holy Spirit. You guys will stand this morning. Teach. We've got to follow Jesus and his commands. And not only follow them, but we have to apply them in our lives to call ourselves disciples of Christ. To be able to disciple others. If you guys will just bow your heads. Father, right now, Lord, I just praise you and I thank you for your presence here today. God, I, I feel your presence in here. I feel your spirit right now, and God, and we want to follow that. We want to follow your leading, God. And Lord, forgive me, Lord. Lord, I ask for forgiveness for myself right now, Father, if I haven't been teaching the way that I need to be teaching, if I haven't been making disciples for you. God, I know that I need to abide in your word. Father, I need to apply it in my life and walk it out through the power of your Holy Spirit in me. And Lord, as we, as we worship this morning, as we pray, we spend time in prayer, God, I, I just want you to tug on people's hearts. Lord, if you're dealing with them like you're dealing with me right now, where man, I, I know I'm a believer, but I'm not sure I can call myself a disciple right now.
because I haven't been applying his word to my life like I need to. I encourage you to pray this morning, to come up and find a place to pray and say, God, help me to be a disciple. Help me to be a follower of you first and foremost. If you have other, any other kind of need this morning for healing or salvation, rededication, and you're in here this morning, I, I encourage you to come up and I want to pray with you and believe God to touch your life. As they sing this song, Move, that we've been talking about as our anthem, and we're just praying that he would move amongst us. Not just him move, but we would move closer to him as well. So as we sing this song, if you have a need or if you just want to spend some time in prayer, Lord, help me be a better disciple. Help me disciple others. Give me the boldness to do that. Help me abide in your word. Help me follow your Holy Spirit. I encourage you to come and pray this morning.
so dependent on his spirit in my life and, and to guide and direct me and it's so important in your life to listen to that listen to it when he when he tells you to do things and tells you not to do things listen be obedient and he'll do that as you're, if you're, as you're following him he will speak into your ear that's not for you or that is for you right. and be obedient and walk in that if you're at a place in your life where you're not hearing that anymore it's a dangerous place to be and I encourage you to get back to God. Just like Eva did this morning. Where's she at, Eva? I'm so proud of her. She rededicated her life to the Lord. She said she just felt that calling of God in her life to, to come back. To come back. Lead us back to you. I'm so thankful for that.